This is the most exciting and riveting story you'll ever hear about sitting down. Seriously, our protagonist, who is choosing to call himself Dylan, is seated and stuck for the entirety of this episode. But hey, some of the most exciting things in life happen while sitting, or more specifically, and like Dylan, strapped into a vehicle. Let's see, there are roller coasters, NASCAR, of course, and I guess that's all that I could think of right now, but Dylan's saga as a preteen, stuck on a long-haul bus to who knows where, is the stuff of legend. If sit-down comedy were a thing, this would be it. Because yes, it's funny. In retrospect, as everything on this show usually is. This week on Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, we bring you the tale of Dylan. When he was 12, he embarked on what was supposed to be a simple bus trip to get from one place to another, so as to spend a chunk of his summer vacation just low-key hanging out with the parent he wasn't living full-time with at the time. Yes, the trip was long distance, technically, but supposed to last under three hours and cross just one state border. You can probably surmise that, by its mere inclusion on Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, a podcast about terrible trips and vacation horror stories, Dylan's best laid plans did not pan out the way they were supposed to. This is Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, episode 13, Fort What It's Worth. I'm Andrew Tate, and the bus is about to leave. My parents divorced when I was about 10, and they worked out a joint custody thing. I usually lived with my mom and spent summers with my dad. This is Dylan. He's just setting up the story of how the summer he just turned 12 years old, he found himself on a bus headed from Oklahoma City to Fort Worth, allegedly. So we did that for a couple of summers. The year I'm 12, right after the 4th of July, my dad had to go away on a very sudden work trip. Allegedly. So he told me I'd have to go back to my mom's for a week. He lived in Oklahoma City, and she lived in Fort Worth, Texas. Different states, but not far away, and they had it all worked out with the courts. So he was going to pop me onto a Greyhound bus and send me back to my mom's house. The thing is, he didn't tell her he'd be doing that. And that probably, definitely, and most certainly violated the terms of their carefully arranged custody agreement. That's probably why he didn't tell Dylan's mother what he was up to. He just said I'd be there on a certain day, which was the same day I was supposed to leave Oklahoma City for Fort Worth, which is right by Dallas. It's a bus trip of only about three hours. It was supposed to be fine, but then Dylan's father, unleashing the chaos that would come, had to go and muck everything up in such a cliched, divorced, degenerate dad kind of way, too. Either because he was feeling guilty about dumping me off during our limited amount of time together, or because he's kind of a dirtbag and not a very good father, we spent my last night in town having fun. He let me do whatever I want. We got to rent a bunch of horror movies I was too scared to finish, let me play violent video games, they were his, all the soda, pizza, and 7-Eleven candy I could ever want. When 1 a.m. rolled around, Dylan was pretty tired and put himself to bed. There was also the 9 a.m. bus departure time to consider. Instead of shutting everything down, Dad decided that it was his turn to have a good time. 
He told me goodnight and called over a couple of his lady friends, which were most definitely strippers. He said they were friends from work, which could technically be true because he worked for an alcohol distributor. Anyway, that meant dad had some friends over and they started pretty late in the night. I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't with the loud music, laughing, stuff breaking, people pounding on the door, asking him to keep it down in this crappy little divorced guy apartment. At some point, after much struggle, Dylan falls asleep. And not for the last time in our story does that create a problem. Well, my dad didn't wake me up in time to catch the bus. He didn't have any alarm clock. I don't have a phone. It's 2013. That wasn't an option. He got out of bed quickly, got dressed, and threw his stuff in his backpack. I find my dad and his various friends in states of undress laying on the couch, sleeping. I wake him up and I tell him it's 8, and my bus to go back to mom's house leaves really soon. He barely understands what I'm saying and is too hungover to do much. He's probably still drunk. He tells me that my ticket is in the kitchen and to have a good time, and then falls back asleep. Dylan still had some other questions that remained unanswered, such as how to get to the bus depot on his own at 12 years old. Thinking quickly, and noticing his father's wallet sitting on the coffee table underneath a full ashtray, Dylan helped himself. Oh, a couple of 20s, lots of singles, obviously. Dylan finds an old phone book under his father's sink and calls the first cab company he can find. They arrive in a few minutes and Dylan makes it to the bus station at just about the last minute. As the engine is on, the doors are closed and it's ready to pull out. They let me on. I had to run, but they opened it up and I find my seat way in the back against a window next to a person occupying the aisle seat who's asleep. He reeks of booze even more than my father did that morning, and he will not or cannot budge. Dylan crawled over the stranger to get to his seat with the bus in motion. With the driver yelling at me for moving around while the bus was in motion. He delicately got in and squeezed into his seat, backpack on his lap. I guess while I was trying to sit down, I knocked the guy's half-eaten McMuffin from his lap to the ground. And that woke up the stranger, who was clearly not a morning person. He screams at me, lots of profanity, calls me all sorts of names, screaming out for somebody to come get their kid because he's messing up his day and ruining everything. The bus driver tells me to be quiet. Me. It's not me. I just sit there shaking, bug-eyed, breathing heavily, not even looking at the guy or even responding. Eventually he just settles into a pattern of muttering about how I ruined his burger. He kept calling it his burger. Just mutters for a good 20 minutes until he falls back asleep. He gets off at the next stop, somewhere in southern Oklahoma. About two hours from Fort Worth is all I have left to endure. Fortunately for Dylan, nobody got on to reoccupy the now vacant seat. He can finally calm down and let that confrontation with an angry, drunk, and probably violent adult seep into the recesses of his memory. My body does this where if I get really stressed out, I just fall asleep. My brain just nopes the hell out. I'm no psychiatrist, but Dylan's tendency to pass out during times of stress probably has something to do with childhood trauma, like being the son of contentiously divorced parents, for example. So he'd had a terrible, fraught half hour, and now it was over. But he was already tired to begin with. Maybe a couple hours of sleep the night before, plus the fight-or-flight response, and uh, boom, I was out cold on that bus. Made the time fly by, and next thing you knew, I was in Fort Worth. 
Dylan literally was in Fort Worth before he knew it. He slept right through his stop. You'd think major bus companies, or the drivers for those lines at least, would have some kind of protocol to follow for announcing stops. First time on a long bus trip, I'm asleep. The driver doesn't come on to say Fort Worth. He didn't announce the other towns when I was awake. Maybe he did say Fort Worth and I just didn't hear it because I was zoinked out. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Dylan doesn't yet know he slept through his moment of exit. I wake up at some point nicely refreshed from a nap, as I should have been, because I've been asleep for about five hours, at least. That's very refreshing indeed. More than half of the equivalent of a full night's sleep. I was in a good mood, looking forward to seeing my mom after a nightmare time at my dad's. And I haven't seen her in a month and was ready to be back at my real home, you know? But as he came to and looked at the passing scenery, something seemed off. I'd made the interstate run from Fort Worth to Oklahoma City and back so many times and probably had the whole trip memorized by that point. Everything just looked wrong. I suspected and feared that I was nowhere near Fort Worth, but had gotten on the wrong bus somehow, which didn't seem possible. But then I saw a sign out the window that said Shreveport, a hundred miles. Shreveport is in Louisiana, and to get there from Fort Worth, you head east. So that means we were somewhere in eastern Texas. Fort Worth was long gone, a great distance to the west. I fell asleep so hard that I missed my stop and was now heading at great speeds into a foreign city where I didn't know anybody, didn't belong, didn't want to go. Dylan didn't know what to do, so he panicked and then tried to get his parents to take care of the problem for him. Hey, he was 12. It's fine. I called my dad. It rang twice and it sent me to voicemail, meaning he saw my name pop up on his phone and then declined the call. Jerk. Then I called my mom. She answered and was very confused. It was then that I learned that she had no idea I was coming, let alone that my father had put me on a bus headed in her direction. Or he tried to. After telling his mother that he was on an unexpected bus inadvertently headed for Shreveport and that he was supposed to be in Fort Worth, Dylan's phone died. I knew I'd left my phone charger at my dad's place too. Not like there was anywhere to plug it in on a bus. So there I was, alone, 12 years old, in a bus somewhere in Texas, probably, and neither parent knew where I was beyond just on a bus somewhere far too far away from home. Finally, nervous and anxious, Dylan's bus arrives in Shreveport. He bravely explains the situation to a very understanding ticket agent. They sort it all out. They call my mom and let me talk to her and explain that they're going to send me on an express bus to Dallas near Fort Worth, which will take all of three hours to arrive, but it's leaving pretty much right then. I thank the woman profusely, I'm crying a little bit, in relief mostly, and I run out to where all the buses are parked. I'm looking for the right number, it was 853 or something like that. I spot it, get on, and relax, knowing I'll be home soon with a better parent after a straight shot. However, in the stress and the craziness of the situation, Dylan transposed the numbers. Of course I did. I do that sometimes. I got on bus 835 or whatever. It wasn't the express to Dallas. I wasn't really sure where it was going, but there were a couple of guys across the aisle wearing Kansas City Royals hats and t-shirts, so I think we might have been headed there. Embarrassed and ashamed and scared, Dylan didn't make a peep. Not to the nice enough old lady seated next to him or the driver. And I never got a chance to charge my phone, so I just sat there nervously, 
awaiting the next stop. Any stop. Finally, the bus did stop in some dusty small town in Louisiana, possibly Texas. The station is tiny, open, and nobody is working. The sign in the booth said, out. So maybe just for a break? There's just me and another guy in there and I kept my distance. He looked like someone you don't want to mess with. I made sure not to look him square in the eye or initiate any sort of contact. I was probably just looking at him side-eye to keep my distance and self-protection in check. But that was enough. Or too much, rather. Why are you staring at me, man? You were staring at me the whole time I was on the phone! I had no idea he was on the phone. You got a problem with me? You wanna go? Let's go! He was ready to throw down. All I could do was blurt out a little, I wasn't looking at you, and prepared mentally for the worst. Then the station attendant came back at the perfect time, and she was totally unfazed. Yeah, she knew the guy. She said something like, Damn it, Jerry, I told you that you can't be in here anymore. Go sell your drugs somewhere else. We don't want any. Something like that. And that's when Jerry, as his name was apparently Jerry, scurried off without another word. Once more, and even more than earlier, Dylan was relieved to see the helpful face of a bus line attendant. We called my mom and I explained the situation. I just had a flip phone, so no tracking or anything. She was ready to call the police. Rather than put me back on another bus, she agreed to come pick me up. It was about a five-hour drive for her, so to pass the time, explored what the little town had to offer. There was a drive-in type burger place and an old movie house with one scream. I was watching World War Z twice, and they had air conditioning. But then, finally, the ordeal was over. My mom arrived in less than five hours. She got a speeding ticket on the way and made my dad pay for it. The unplanned week with his mother became permanent. Dylan spent the rest of the summer at his mom's house, and the fall too. She sued for sole custody after that, and got it. I didn't see my dad much after that, and uh, I've certainly never ridden a bus. The train costs a little bit more, but it's worth it, because they announce every stop. The bus has parked, the trip is over. Everybody get off, and make sure to take your bags both from your seat and underneath the bus. It's time for Andrew's travel tips. Tip number one, don't travel alone, if at all possible. Sure, sometimes it's not possible, but do try to find a travel companion. Not only is it safer when you've got somebody looking after you, the ultimate fail-safe, but it's more fun to share the novel experience with a relative or a close friend. Tip number two, don't fall asleep on commercial transportation, especially if you're alone. Sleeping means you're unconscious, and you don't want to be unconscious in public. And when that happens, no good can come of it. So wake the hell up and shake off the weariness, weary traveler. Tip number three, make sure to pack your charger, or barring that, a roll of quarters. Pay phones are rare, but they are still around in places where you need them the most, like sketchy bus stations and such. Until next time, thanks for listening to Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us. And while you're at it, follow me at Let's Not Meet Cast on Instagram for more updates on upcoming episodes. And check out my other shows, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and Odd Trails at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you've got the worst vacation experience, we want to hear about it. It could form the basis of the next classic episode. Tell us all about it. Please email us at welcome to paradise it sucks at gmail.com. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks is a collaboration between Cloud 10 Media and Cryptic County. The executive producers are Andrew Tate and Sim Sarna. The producers and writers are Brian Boone and Devin Ruskin. The audio engineer is Trevin Barty. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.